Okay, John chapter 1. Hey, Locke, maybe down a little bit. It's like... I'll, wait, I'll wait till Jimmy sits down. <laughs> All right. Um, I think you have the passage on your handout. If not, if you have your Bible, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is not John that's writing this. John is referring to John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, who gave the right, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And here's our key verse, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as, as, a, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, he has made him, he has made him known. All right, let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning um, in humility and with gratefulness. We have so many things to be grateful for here. And we pray this morning that your spirit would be upon us, on each one of us, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would, would make an impact on us this morning and that our hearts would be opened to your word and that our minds would, would be able to clearly understand the truth that you have given us in your word. God, we thank you most of all for the glorious goodness of the cross. God, make that clear to us this morning, Lord. Make that impact our hearts in a way that we are never the same again. Lord, we thank you for all, all, of, our, all of our group that's made it back here safely uh, from, the, from vacation and, and a holiday. And, um, we just uh, we love you, and in, your, in the powerful and strong name of Jesus, we pray, amen. So if you're visiting this morning, um, normally uh, Brian over here is, is, our, is, is teaching, and the rest, there's a few of us other guys who fill in to give him a break every now and then. So if this is your first time, make sure you come back. Don't, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying, just don't judge based on today. You know, give us, give us a shot. And uh, um, so have... have uh, I was, I was just thinking about all the Pepperdine group here uh, yesterday, and 
this isn't, doesn't really have much to do with what I'm going to talk about, except that I was thinking that if I would have gone here, if I, w- I, kn- I didn't even know about Pepperdine when I was in high school, college age. I, th- I think I thought it was like a fancy cracker that rich people eat or something like that. Like, and, but it's a really interesting place. And, uh, but have you guys ever read... Do you remember ever reading a book where you read it through cover to cover and it was like you couldn't, you just couldn't put it down and, you know, during the midst of it, you were like, man, I can't read, read, I can't wait to read this again because, you know, like you're thinking there's, there's little elements of the characters that, that are going to come out. There's maybe a new character you're going to discover, um, you'll gain new insights, um, and, and you could maybe read it over and over again. A book for, for me that came to my mind when I was thinking about that was when I was in college during a break, a, a buddy of mine gave me a, a novel, uh, The Born Identity. I think it was The Born Identity. And I read it like three or four times, and I thought it was really cool that I was picking up on new little nuances and, and that sort of thing. But then there's, there's other books that you read it, and basically you just chunk it in the trash, and then two weeks later you've forgotten what it, what it said, and it maybe had no impact on your life. And... I just want to submit to you that this um, book of John is, is one that John intended to write it so that it would be reread over and over. He didn't write it and then and distribute it. It wasn't distributed among the churches. It's just like, oh, here's a little letter. Read it through and then toss it in the trash. There's, there's so much information in here that rereading and rereading and, and studying and meditating on it, like each new time you're going you're gonna to find something, something new that you didn't know before. It's really cool how, how it works that way. And, and also, different cultures read, read differently. Like some people, I mean, especially in Western culture, we tend to read really fast. Like I, I know people just devour a book in, in like one sitting, like cover to cover. And I, I'm not like that, basically because my wor- mind works at, you know, 50% of the speed as the rest of you. So... <laughs> takes me longer, you know, I'm like, it, it, I just read slow, I've always read slow, slowly, so, but, but this also, like other cultures, um, people will, they'll, they'll really want to figure out each word, and like really dive in and dig into it, and I expect uh, Mulder, Scott Mulder's like that, I don't know for sure, but <laughs> personality-wise, a guy that just really likes to think and work through all the little details and that sort of thing, um, so anyways, it, it doesn't take long into this passage. I mean, verse, first verse, I mean, I mean, get a load of this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Now I'm into verse 3, but, but already the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The Word was with God, and it was God. I mean, that sort of makes the heat rise in my brain, I start to overheat if I start to think about that too much, you know, it doesn't quite compute, right, and, um, but John writes it that way for a reason, it's not just, that was just the, the word he picked out, you know, uh, the, I'm going to go ahead and lay out for you, uh, my, like, sort of main point that way, uh, if you disconnect somewhere along the way. Get it while it's fresh right here. This is, this is, what, this is what we're going to take away today. I sort of broke these into little bitty sentences. Um, 
Jesus was with God from eternity. Jesus is God. Jesus became man. Jesus is full of grace and truth. Jesus displays his glory most profoundly in the cross. Jesus dies the sinner's death. Jesus becomes the meeting place between God and sinners. This is all stuff that basically these first 18 verses in the Gospel of John uh, is often called the prologue. And it basically, he lays out what he's going to talk about in the whole book. And he's going to go into greater detail as he goes along. But, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of cool stuff here in these first verses. And like I said before, we're going to focus on verse 14, which is, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Okay, before, before we get to that, um, there's a couple, a couple things just to talk about that I think, for in my mind, it made it a little clearer to me, is, you know, we've got, I'm going I'm to just define for you three words. The first, I mean, you, you guys have know, know this word, heard it a lot, <laughs> probably contemplated all the time, but it's something we could, I, we could spend hours on just thinking about this one thing, but, but, but just God. What do we know about God? Um, just, just breaking it down for, to, for a couple main points. We know that the God that we believe in is holy, meaning he is set apart and different from all of creation. We know that he is also not just a holy and separated God, but that he is actively involved in his creation. He's present among us. And then we also know, third thing, is that he speaks to us. Maybe not in, in, in audible words um, like he has flesh and blood on his bones like we do. No, but he has given us his word. He's communicated in, in many different ways to us. So we have a God that is holy. He is present among us, and he speaks to us. And then the, the second thing is the word. So John uses this, this, this word, the word, to, to define Jesus um, in the first few verses. And this is not used commonly uh, in other places, but says, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that was made. We were told that this word, the word was with God in the beginning. So it's self-existent, just as God is. It's always been and always will be. At the same time, it's differentiated from God. It's the same as God. And, and this is where, this is where, it, you know, where I was talking about, the, the mind starts to overheat. But it, it's, The word was God, is God, but is also differentiated from God. He was with God in the beginning, but is also identified as God. And a little further along, we read in this passage, and the word becomes what? The word becomes flesh. The word becomes a man. Jesus, that's where we get Jesus takes on humanity and becomes a man. This is why we believe as Christians that Jesus is God, but is also identified as his own separate person as well. So I like the way this guy Don Carson put it, and I'm just going to read you his quote. He said, The Word is God's self-expression, God's revelation. He is God's own agent in creation, and he comes to save and transform his people. That's from a book. I was going to bring it up and show it to you because it's a great book. I read it a ton. It's called The God Who Is There. It's by a theologian named Don Carson. Another way to say this is that God, through his word, reveals, he creates, and he transforms. Wayne Grudem says, It is especially God the Son, who in his person as well as in his words has the role of communicating the character of God to us and expressing the will of God for us. Okay. 
And then finally, what the word became flesh. So the, the third word I was going to define for you, I'm defining is flesh. So this just means that the word actually became flesh and blood. It wasn't just some sort of mystical idea. It wasn't an illusion. Jesus wasn't a hologram or just a figment of, of people. He just appeared to be human, but he was only fully God. No, we know Jesus was fully God and fully man. Like Christians all throughout history have, have referred to Jesus as the God-man. So, uh, let's see. So, the word without ceasing to be the word became man. So, he, meaning he was fully God and fully man. Um, the cool thing in this, this passage is that John refers to five themes that are also spoken of in the book of Exodus. And have, have, if I say to you, If I say to you with, with a British accent, um, this one goes to 11. Does that recall anything in any of your minds? <laughs> Raise your hand if, if you know what I'm referring to. Okay, some of you, some of us are too young. Not, some of y'all are too young to, to know that. What about if I say, what if, I, if, I, if, if we're all out on a boat and I run up to the front and I go, I'm the king of the world, baby, or something like that. Would you know what I was referring to? Okay. How about if I say, the truth, you can't handle the truth, you know, and I like, do, I think if I do this, it's more effective, right? What is that, you know? We all know that, okay? This is exactly what, what happens here in this passage, not for us, because we aren't, we aren't saturated with the Old Testament like the readers were in that day. They knew the Old Testament really, 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 really well, and so when John says here in verse 14... As soon as I find it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That, that, uh, in the, that actually dwelt among us, literally translated, means tabernacled among us. They would have immediately, um, that would have immediately brought up all these memories to them of, of Moses in the book of Exodus. For us, it, it doesn't so much um, until, until we've made that connection. But... I think this is this is really helpful, and and I'm gonna we're gonna take a few minutes just to look at, um, at at these five themes that John alludes to in the book of Exodus. But just a quick a quick refresher: um, what they would have remembered was that. Um, hang on, let me find my place here. It's basically chapter 32 through 34, around in there in the book of Exodus. And I, have, I think I put it on your little pamphlet, so if you want to go back later this week and do some research on your own, I know you guys have tons of time. School, school starts Monday for some of you. But um, just in case you don't, I'm going to give you a little refresher. Moses, um, you know, God has, has brought them out of captivity in Egypt, and he has, he has rescued them. And he's gone up on the mountain and received these instructions for uh, building the tabernacle. And when he comes down, the people have gotten bored and forgotten about what God has done for them. And they have decided to worship something that they made themselves. And so um, Moses is really angry. God says, look, I was going to come down and be in your presence, but now I can't because you're so evil. Because if I dwell in the midst of you, my holiness is just going to escape 
and to devour all of you. And, and so Moses is like, well, that's not good. Um, and so God says, but here's, you know, I'll go out in front of you, and, and, and I'll defeat uh, your enemies, and you can follow along behind me. And Moses basically says, look, if you don't come among us and, and be with us, what's the point of us even going? And so he, he gets the people to repent, and they all go back to God, and God says, okay, I'll come down among you. And then it's really, there's some really cool stuff in there. Uh, so if you have some time, sometime, just dig into that. It's really, really uh, pretty cool. I think it would be um, profitable for you. But anyways, during this whole, whole deal, uh, after that, Moses is hiding. Or he's in this little cave, and, and he's sort of worked things out with God. And, and uh, let's see. Moses says to God in chapter 33, 18 and 19, he says, now, Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass. Oh, in front of you. Actually, I skipped to the second one. That's, uh, let me go back a little bit. Uh, we were talking about, I wanted to talk about the tabernacle and the temple. So, sorry. Um, so basically, this, this God's going to meet here in this, uh, he's going to be in this, in among the people. So in their camp. Um, and, and the tabernacle was in the middle. And there's this tent of meeting. That in this tent of meeting, only the high priest could go in there once a year, taking the blood of all the offerings. And that became, that was the meeting place where the holy God would meet with this representative representing the sinful people. So when John alludes to that, he, it's, it's really cool if you think about it. He's saying that God became a man to become, he tabernacled among us, meaning that Jesus becomes the tent of meeting. He's the ultimate temple. This is the place where sinful humans, sinful people like you and me, meet with a holy God. This is astounding. I mean, it's a, it's a mind-blowing thing. And this is what our whole uh, Christianity is based on, the fact that Jesus is the temple. He's the ultimate temple. He is the place where sinful people like you and me are reconciled to a holy God. Now, um, I think I put down this passage too. In John 2, verses 19 and 21, just to reinforce this, <clears throat> Jesus says this too. He, he expresses that he is this meeting place. He says uh, to, let's see, let me find it for you real fast. Just so you don't think I'm making this up. <laughs> He says in verse 19, Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? Verse 21 says, But he was speaking about the temple of his body. So Jesus insists also that he is the temple. He's the ultimate meeting place. So that was the first, the first of these five themes was uh, Jesus becomes the temple. Um, then second is <laughs> uh, glory. John writes in verse 14, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace. So, and this is where I started into a little early. Um, Moses says in verse 18 and 19 of Exodus chapter 33, Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. Um, 
God has told Moses during this, this conversation, he says, like, you can't see my face. If you do, you'll, you'll die. No one can see the face of God, yet you'll die. But he says, look, if you stay here, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. So John, in verse 14, is also alludes to that. We have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son who came from the Father, full of, this also full of grace and truth. That's actually the next one that he alludes to. But it's really cool is that, that the glory of God is most clearly seen in, the goodness of the glory of God is most clearly seen in Jesus. Jesus becomes man, and he's full of grace and truth. And then the most profound point, the most spectacular display of God's glory is in the instrument of torture called the cross because that's where God's goodness for us was most displayed. It's displayed for us in in the crucifixion. In verse 12, in chapter 12, in in the Gospel of John, once you get to that point, Jesus, Jesus manifests God's glory in going to the cross. This is where God's glory is most displayed. It is his, in his goodness, in the shame and the brutality of the cross. Through the cross, Jesus returns to the glory that he shared with the Father from eternity. It says in uh, Exodus 34, 6, that... There's a pair of Hebrew nouns that are used, love and faithfulness, that are also translated grace and truth. And so what is, what is Moses? God has, has defined himself to Moses in a bunch of ways, but one of, the, one of the things is he says that he is full of love and faithfulness. He is full of grace and truth. And that's what, what brings God, that's what brings Christ to the cross, is the goodness and faithfulness and love of God brings Christ to the cross on our account. Um, maybe some of you are here this morning and you know maybe you're just you're just curious about who Christ is. Maybe you think he's just a good person. Um, he was a prophet, sort of like Muhammad. Maybe Maybe you're a Christian, and maybe you're just sort of waffling, and you just kind of go through school, and you're like, yeah, you know, I go to church. I read my Bible sometimes if I have time, but, you know, this hasn't really had an impact on my life. Um, maybe you are just live in overwhelmed with guilt because of that. Um, like, if, if, you're, if you're here, and you're just interested in Jesus, and you're not sure what it means... I think the Gospel of John is a good place to just do some reading. Spend some time there and, and pray that God would reveal himself to you, that, that he would reveal the cross to you. I mean, Jesus doesn't give us the option of saying, yeah, Jesus is just a good guy. No, it's, it's clear. He's claiming that he is the place where we meet God, that he redeems us, that he is where we find salvation. And that means that we, as Christians, are, are in, in some ways... It, Christianity, I believe, is more inclusive than any other religion in the sense that there, it's not requiring all these demands of us or saying it's not excluding certain groups of people. But in another way, it is exclusive in saying that, that Christ is the way to salvation, not 
a life filled with good works, not finding, you know, your own spiritual path, and that we all can have our own different spiritual paths, and, and somehow we come up to salvation. That's not, that's, Jesus doesn't give us that option. He says he is saying he is God. He is also the ultimate meeting place for sinners and a holy God. Um, if you're here, and, and, and like I said, if, like most of us, I think this is where a lot of us are probably at. It's like, I'm, I, I believe in Jesus. I trust him. I, I feel like I have saving faith. But why does my life not reflect that on a day-to-day basis? Why am I still treating my wife poorly? Why am I treating my friends badly? Why am I snapping at my children? Or, or, or why do I, am I not the same place at work that I am uh, at church or when I'm with my Christian friends, do you feel like you have to show up here and act like everything's perfect and that everything's going well in your life and then you go home and, and you go off the rails and, and just wreak havoc? That's my, just reminding me about the time. So <laughs> I tend to be a little long-winded. Sorry. <laughs> but I just want to make one final um, analogy on, on how to... Um, because when it gets practical, it's like we want to see Jesus. And that's what I'm trying to get across to you. It's like when I study this, Jesus comes alive to me. And I see, I see um, my Redeemer. And I see him in this way that sometimes I, I haven't seen before. So it's like he just jumps out at me, the, out of the pages at me. And, and, it, and it wrecks my world and changes my life. And so that's what I want for each one of you to experience. And, and the thing is, is um, if, if you're, we all are... Are we all struggle? We we can't live perfectly, right? But the 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 analogy I want to give for you, I've been thinking about this a while. Is um, I already alluded to Scott Mulder. He's a pilot, and uh, I also have uh, my brother, younger brother. He's five years younger than me. He's also a, a a pilot in the Marine Corps. So if if though, let's just say. Um, you guys don't know me very well. I could, for all you know, I could be a billionaire. Let's just say I take a couple hundred million dollars and I go buy a Gulfstream Five, brand new one, and I say, "Hey, we're gonna all head over to uh, <clears throat> I don't know where do we want to go, Hawaii. Let's head to Hawaii next weekend. I'm take the whole church." Um, and you guys might say, "Well, do you fly an airplane? I mean, just because I have all this money, I mean, I guess I could hire a pilot, but I want to fly the plane myself, all right? That's just, I've always wanted to be a pilot. So would you guys, how many of you would go with me? Oh, there you go, Shane, all right. Couple, couple psychotic thrill seekers are going are gonna to be like, this is going to be a good ride. Yeah, so. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, it, it kind of ruins my analogy. If he goes, it, my analogy sort of tanks. So just bear with me for a second. This isn't the perfect analogy or illustration, but it's the best I could come up with. All right? So, um, so anyways, I, I, you guys maybe are like, take a test flight. So I go up. I manage to land the airplane without dying, but it's destroyed. So I take another $200 million, million buy another one. You know, if, if I say to you, well, how do I improve this time? You know, are you going to say, just try harder? You know, just try harder to land it this time. You can do it. You know, no, like when you're in a pilot school, and maybe Scott can correct me if I, if I miss any of this. If, you're, if you go to <laughs> pilot training, and I, took, I got my private pilot's license in the, like 10 or 11 years ago. And um, it's, uh, 
basically, I, what I remember, I don't, none of you would want to fly with me. I haven't flown in a long time. And even when I did, I almost knocked the landing gear off a couple times just trying to land. So, you know, here, here, if what they tell you is when you're in a, a stressful situation, your IQ decreases rapidly by like 50%. So that's sometimes, like if I'm up here and I say really dumb things, that's why. I'm, I'm a little nervous, and maybe my IQ drops even lower than it was before. But let's imagine, you know, this is why they, they say that with, with pilots. Like, they, they drill into you, in this situation, this is what you do. So it's like you go up and you do these maneuvers that they call it like a stall. It'll be like, all right, you know, when you get to this point and it does this, you know, you do this, and you pull this, and you, you do that. And, you know, I don't remember all this stuff. But, like, they drill it to, so that you know it backwards and forwards so that you don't actually even have to think about it. And this is what I just want to finish with, is that, that Christian life is like that. It, our salvation is not based on, on works or how we live. But here's the thing. The more and more and more we get to know Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us, the more that, that his word dwells within our hearts richly, the more that our life will reflect that without even... That doesn't mean that I'm consciously walking along all day long thinking thoughts about Jesus or singing songs in my head. You know, I'm taking a test and I'm singing a song about Jesus. It doesn't mean that. It just means that when my life is saturated with the Word of God and the good news of the cross, then my decisions are different. It starts to mold and shape my life. Jesus is correcting me and guiding me. And, and that's, what, that's all it means. And so that's what I want to say to you if, if you're in that spot, it doesn't mean if you miss your quiet time this morning or tomorrow morning that you need to beat yourself up and feel guilty. It means go to Jesus. Seek Jesus. Like, go to Jesus. If you want to see the goodness of God, study Jesus. If you want to see even the wrath of God, study Jesus. God's holiness, it's Jesus. Go to Jesus. And that's, that's um, what I have for you this morning. Let's pray. God, I stand here this morning just uh, humbled because of your graciousness and your goodness towards me. God, you, your, your loving kindness is immeasurable. Just contemplating and thinking on, on the cross and what it means to each of our lives is incredibly mind-blowing, God. Lord, uh, my prayer this morning is that, that you would make your glory known to us, that you would open our eyes and our hearts to see and understand and comprehend how amazingly unfathomable your goodness is. Lord, we pray um, that our lives would reflect that, Lord. We pray that our hearts would be softened to you. Lord, we pray that um, as we take communion this morning that... Um, that we can be aware of what it stands for and what it means. Lord, we love you, and in your name we pray. Amen.